me. I think I'm calling somebody on accident right now. Yep, I'm calling my son. He's here, so it's all good. So as we uh, get ready for uh, what God's done for us and what he's doing for us, I just want to remind you um, how how good God's grace is and remind you that he loves you no matter what you think you've done or where you've been. And that's kind of the, the key right there. Zig Ziglar said this, lack of direction, not lack of time is the problem. We all have 24 hours and 24 hour days. So here's the deal. This is the thing I need you to get. What are you doing in the days that Jesus has given you? Um, are you letting people know who he is? How many of you this morning um, getting ready to come to church got mad at your kids? How many of you this morning coming to church got mad at your spouse? So you guys are doing great. How many of you this morning um, got mad at just something? How many of you, by the end of the day, will be mad at something? Okay, now we go. You guys are so good. I had no idea. The reality is this. We're all a mess, and we're all going to mess up. The key is, what are you doing when you mess, after you mess up? Do you really give it to God? Do you really live for him? Do you constantly, I don't know, I'm discovering the older I get, the more restarts I need. Sometimes I get one thing, or I figure one thing out, and I got 18 more things I got to figure out. Anybody else like that? In Philippians 3, 12 through 14, it says this. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on. Yeah, that was good. That was dramatic. <laughs> all right. But I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took, me hold of, took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do is forgetting what is behind me, straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So throughout this sermon, I want to be reminding and reminding you all that the goal is heaven. I think sometimes we really get a skewed idea. We think if we just have this much money, if we have just this situation, if we just know oh, that one thing, that everyone, that secret, or we lose just this amount of weight, amount of weight. I think it's always something else. But the true thing we need to ask is, Am I getting closer to Jesus? Am I really doing everything I can to get closer to Jesus? And some days we have that and some days we don't. But I want to encourage you every day. Let's just do it one week. Let's start one week together. When you wake up tomorrow morning, say, God, I want to get closer to you. Jesus, help me, help me see you, help me share you, and help me be you for someone who needs to see you. That's the key. I've already arrived at my goal. He says, I haven't. But I press on to take a hold that which Christ Jesus took a hold of me. So what did Christ Jesus take a hold of me? He gives me salvation. He gives me heaven. He gives me eternity with him. Isn't that powerful? I don't know about you all. Y'all didn't act like that was powerful. I said, isn't that powerful? And y'all looked at me like I fell out of your nose. All right. Thanks, Bill, for laughing. I need all the help I can get. We need to understand the importance of what it looks like to truly take a hold of this and forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead. How many of you have let your past beat you up? How many of you know Jesus, but you still let it happen? So how do we do this? How do we truly forget what is, ahead, or what is behind us and strain towards what is ahead? 
Hebrews 12 said, fix your eyes on Christ Jesus. He's the author and perfecter of your faith. He's the sculpture, one version says. He's the one that puts all this possible. And if he is, then why aren't we trying to draw closer to him? I think sometimes we miss the whole boat. Um, some of you may know I went on vacation recently. Um, we went to the beach, which is my happy place. Anybody like, anybody like the beach? I love the beach. Had a great time. It was really good. And it got me ready for what I was getting ready to go into. Disney World. My aching back. If there's, there, that right there in itself should be showing you that I love Jesus because I took my kids that, to that place. Um, first of all, magical kingdom Somebody's messed up. Somebody has lied to somebody. I don't know. I think the problem is our interpretation of of, uh, Magic Kingdom is all that stuff, those fancy stuff, all that pretty stuff, all the things. But you know what? I think we're experiencing Magical Kingdom right here because of what Jesus. Now, let's just change it. We're, We're reaching and understanding what the kingdom of God looks like by praising and worship and loving each other. That's what a magical kingdom should be. Can I get an amen? Ecclesiastes 11.8, people ought to enjoy every day of their lives no matter how long they live. God says life was meant to be enjoyed, not not just endured. The sad truth is most people don't really enjoy life. Some of you in here, you're just kind of going through it and you forgot. You know, one of the places that we should get smiles at is church. We should be happy here. You know, one of the, my, my preacher growing up was a guy named Wayne Smith. He says, if we're not laughing, we're crying. And what he means by that is we need to either put it all out there. We need to say, Lord, we love you. We need you. We need to be able to laugh and cry and still know that we are ourselves in Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.16 says, everything is absolutely everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible. Everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. I like that because when you look at it, God can use the messiest of things. How many of you look on something you did that was really stupid and God was able to use it in a good way? Anybody have that? How many of you have not let God use it in a good way and he needed to use it for a good way? So today what I want to talk to you about is is letting God kind of give you a reboot, a restart, uh, help me get through this kind of thing. I don't know about you all, but I need it. So to restart this year, I need to, number one, love God with all my heart. It seems basic. You think we get it, but we don't. Um, 101 Christianity, um, what Jeff's been talking to you guys about in our pathway to purpose, you've got to love God. Now, you think that would be easy, but this world keeps throwing all kinds of things, whether it's a, a magical kingdom or a TV show or a, well, you know, fill in the blank. What is it that, God, that the devil is using to distract you? Be honest with it. One of the things is, I hear people sometimes say, well, don't worry, Dave, I'm good. <laughs> no, none of us are good. We're all a mess. We all got things that we, we, we go through. We all got things that we're dealing with. And what we, be, what we need to be reminded of is when we love God with all of our heart, then we're really putting him first. Is he your first priority? That's the first question you need to ask yourself. If you do any evaluation, is God my first priority? Is he the one that gets me up, the one that gets me through, the one that gets me over? I want you to know this morning, and maybe I'm still learning what this looks like, but as a dad, God's helped me with this, and um, you need to be reminded that he loves you like his child, because you are. You are the apple of his eye, the Bible says. And he loves you so much, I, I can't even begin to tell you. I can't even begin to explain it. 
He knows everything you've done, and he loves you anyway. Can I get an amen? He knows, as Clint Eastwood would say, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And he still loves you, and he sees beyond that, and he knows your heart, and he knows, he knows you're going to mess up again, but he still loves you. And when we are loved like that, we understand it. Because here's the thing. Those of us who've been parents. Now, how many of you have been parents and your kids have let you down? Did you stop loving them? No. Did you get mad at them? Did you want to maybe twist their neck just a little bit? No. I'm sorry, that wasn't bit. Don't put that part on there. Um, <laughs> did you want to give them the right hand of fellowship and just uh, shake a little bit? The reality is they're still your child. Have you ever been broken for your child when your child is crying and you just want to fix it for them? You just want to love them through it? But the reality is that's the moment you understand God the most because that's the way he sees you. And he knows that hurt you're going through. He knows that pain you're dealing with. He knows that past that you just can't let go of. That thing that if I mention your stomach starts hurting and your, your brain gets foggy and you don't know what to do and you just don't want to talk about it. And you want to run, run, run. But if you run, can I suggest something? Run into the arms of Jesus. If you're hurting that bad, run into his arms. Let him embrace you. I don't know about you guys. I am so grateful that he loves me like his child, that he knows me inside out, that he hurts when I hurt and he gets me through it. He is, he's my dad. I think sometimes we're scared to say that. And sometimes the truth is, maybe you didn't have the greatest example for a dad, so that's what you see it. But the greatest example, Isaiah 44, 2 says this, I am your creator. You were in my care even before you were born. You were in God's care. Think about that. You were in God's care even before you were born. He knew. He knew everything before you even took one breath of this world that he created. You were his. Does that comfort anybody else? That fires me up. And, and, and on a sidebar, um, you know, if you think, uh, let's be honest, this is, this is a pretty good example of why we need to be pro-life, because he knew us. He knew us before we even took a breath. That means he knew us. Do you, are you getting it? That means he knew us. And so I've got to understand that because no matter what happens in those situations, no matter how bad it is, God can use it because he knows. And some of you may say, well, Dave, you don't know what I, was, what I grew up in. Honest, I don't. You're right. I'm sorry. I really don't. But one thing I do know is my Jesus. And I know if my Jesus can forgive me, my Jesus can forgive you. And which, whatever you think you're going through, he'll get you through if you just trust him. Think about this. You have never taken a breath that God didn't see and that God didn't love you during that moment. And all God's people say, amen. I like a good amen, so work with me. The other thing is God gives you grace. I don't know about you all, but I need a lot of grace. Um, I love the song Amazing Grace because I need a lot of grace. And I'm going to be honest with you. So do you. We all need it. The Bible says in Ephesians 1.5, God's unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his family by sending Jesus Christ to die for us. And he did this because he wanted to. I love that version of it. I love the way it says that. It's from the Living Bible. But I like it because it reminds me that God wanted me so much 
that he would let his son go through that torment, that pain, that horrible thing that we sometimes glaze it over with, you know, we, Jesus died at the cross. Ha, ha. No, Jesus, his skin was torn for you. His blood was shed for you. His body was given up for you. And God didn't do that in a quick, let's do this. He always knew what he was doing, and he always wanted to have you as his child. He wants you as his child. Now, some of you may say, well, I don't know. I don't feel that. Well, stop feeling and start trusting. Sometimes we just, we're all feely, and sometimes we need to say, God, I'm going to trust you, but I don't always feel it. God, there's, how many of you have ever had a day when you didn't feel like being a Christian? Okay, the rest of your lines will raise your hand now. We've all had those moments, right? We've had those moments when we love Jesus, but, well, here's what you need to do when you have those moments. You need to say, God, I'm sorry. And you know what God does for that when you say, I'm sorry, God? Anybody know? He gives you grace. It's amazing. He forgives you when you're honest with him. Some of the problems I think that we have in church is we just don't come up and give it up to him. One of the things I love at Christ Church is we have an altar that you can come up here and say, God, here's that thing. Here's, here's that gluttony I struggle with, that overeating God that I'm struggling with. Here's that pornography I'm struggling with. God, here's that hurt that I'm, here's that lying, Lord, I keep lying. Lord, Lord here's that gossip. And if you say that you don't have any of those, I bet I can think of one if we had enough time that you have. Because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It doesn't say some of us. It doesn't say a few of us. It says all. And you know what all means in the Greek? Jeff always says it means all. <laughs> it does. I hope we get that today. I hope we understand that. And the, and the third thing I want you to know about God's love, not only does it give you grace, not only does he love us like a dad, it's meant to last for eternity. It's heaven. Now, and I, I, I got to tell you, if I'm honest with you, I didn't totally understand it. I didn't. I wish I could say that I did, but I didn't. In 2006, some of you know, my son Isaac went to be with Jesus, and it was the first time I understood why heaven's so important, really. I had people that I love die, but it's different. It just is. And the thought of me going up there and him waiting on me, I can't tell you. I can't stop smiling. I'm going to give him a fist bump. I'm going to hold him. I'm going to see him again. That's why we get heaven. I don't know about you, but that is a great thing that God has given us, and that is love. And all God's people say, I love this church. I love what we're trying. I love when, uh, I, I don't know if you guys know this, I like the babies. I do. I love the babies because it's pure and it's innocent and they smile. Have you, is there anything better than a baby laugh? Man, I like it a lot because it's, it's pure. Sometimes I, I ask God, help me to have that baby laugh again. Help me to see things through your lenses. Help me not to be, how many of you think the world's going crazy how many of you think there's an agenda on the TV that you're watching that you just wish it would shut up? Anybody? You know, they don't just have Andy Griffith anymore. What's wrong with these people? Everything has an agenda, and it's got that stuff that I don't agree with, and you're wondering, why in the world? Well, that's it. It's the world. That's why Satan whispers things, and he's doing everything he can to put his agenda out there, and he goes in a back way, whether it's about Whatever sin that you're dealing with, whether it's overeating or pornography or homosexuality or whatever it is, whether it's 
whatever. The devil does everything he can to try to make you think that, uh, well, it's not that big a deal. Ephesians 1.10, this was his purpose, that when the right time would, will come, he gathered us together wherever we are to be with him in Christ forever. Doesn't that sound good? Isn't that exciting? Um, I need you to get that because it's really, really important. It's actually essential that we get this. And once we get it, we'll start understanding more and more what it looks like to, to truly let him get us through these things. There, was, there may be somebody who's saying, well, I don't even know if there's a God. Well, I want to touch base on that for just a second, and um, this is what I want to say. Um, if there's no God, does life really matter? That's the question I think sometimes we end up going with. When we think of, of being with him, sometimes we, want, we just want to get as far away from that. And so here's the thing I, I, I need you to know as we look at that verse and that we want to be with Christ forever. Um, it's not just a chance that you're here today. God has a purpose for you. He has intention for you. Um, I love what Ronald Reagan said. See if I can, uh, he basically said, um, it, it takes more faith to be an uh, uh, atheist than it does to be a Christian. He said he used to invite people in, into his house and, and have this huge, beautiful dinner, right? Just incredible dinner. And it was right there. And um, then he said, uh, you can, he goes, uh, the guy asked, um, Man, this is incredible dinner. Can, can we eat now? He goes, well, do you know the cook? Sometimes I think we forget that if we can see the cook, we know there's a God. And doesn't have to have the dinner there. We just know that it's there. Can I get an amen? It takes more in faith not to believe um, than to believe in God. I think all is random sometimes, but it's not. Life is shaking up all the pieces of a watch, and it comes out. And watch. It's a miracle. Again, I go back to seeing that child and seeing how God created them, and it's a miracle. What a designer we have. What a God we have. The next thing that he wants to do to kind of reboot, he wants you to restart, and the way to do that is to build Christ-centered relationships. So that's become more and more important to us um, here at Christ Church. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says this, God settled the relationship between us and him and then called us to settle our relationship with each other. So what's that mean? It means this. We need to get along or get along. I don't know if we get that enough. You're supposed to get along with each other. You're supposed to love each other in spite of each other. How many of you know if God gave you a, a, a person to hate, you already got that, that name picked out? Anybody here? <laughs> Two of us. Anyway... Here's the thing with that. He's never going to do that. It's always going to be. His, his purpose is to, for us to love each other in spite of each other, to get along, to, to laugh with each other. To, uh, uh, ben and I were talking, and he was saying one of the things they do is they, they played like phase 10. Well, one of my favorite memories is being around a card table, and my grandmother, who's pretty sweet most of the time, but she was just brutal, and she would just take it out on you in, in, in card games. Phase 10, she was tough. Anybody had that grandmother? She's the one that, uh, Uno, I mean, anybody play Uno? She's the one that put the Uno card on her head and said, guess who's got it? And you're like, nanny, what happened to you? Those are great moments in my life 
We need to build that with each other, with church. We need to love each other. We need to see each other for who we really are and know that God's not done with us yet. You know what happens when we see each other for who we really are? They see we're a mess. They see the good, the bad, and the ugly. They see it all. Mother Teresa said this, if we have no peace, it's because we have forgotten that we belong to each other. I think, I think it's important that we need to get along with each other and love each other in spite of each other. And when we do that, it changes everything. It really does. Um, we need that in every aspect of our life, in every moment of our life. Um, when we get that, well, God shows up in places you never dreamed. Um, Genesis 2.18, God said, it's good for man not to be alone, right? How many of you sometimes just wish you could just be by yourself? It'll pass. How many of you ever go to that theory, um, this too shall pass? Anybody here? The older I get, the more I see it happening in my life. When I say, man, I am having a bad day, that is a great thing to think of. The Bible says this too shall pass. And all God's people say, I'm in four of us, good. If you're having a good day, the Bible says, this too shall pass. I don't like that hard. The truth is, you're going to have good days and bad days, but we have each other, and when we have each other, that can help us get through the good and the bad days. I had a lot of people, um, when we went through our, our, our situation with Isaac, a lot of people, uh, they just asked us this question, and it was a lot. Um, most people, I think it was over 90% at that time, um, who go through the... the um, death of a child, they end up divorced. And um, me and Amy, we, we kind of sit down one day and we, we say, what is different in us that made us not do that? And this was it. Besides Jesus, we turn to each other. And when you turn to each other, you can get through it. Um, you know, at that time, my, my parents had passed. Um, she didn't have a, a supporting role there. And we had to be with each other. And that's how we got through it. Um, you want to make your, your marriage work, trust your spouse. Be honest with them. Communicate with them. Let them know that you love them. Galatians 5.14 says this, God's whole law can be summed up in this one, moment, one command. Love others as yourself, as you love yourself. Now, I need you to get this because it's really important that we understand what that looks like. The only way that I can love Bill is if I love me. See, I don't think we get that. I don't think we understand. If I love, if I'm okay with Dave, then I can love Bill the way God intends me to. Love your neighbor as yourself. That means there's a presupposition there that you got to love you to be able to love them. Some of us have beat ourselves up. We're under such, we're hurting and we're tired and we're, we beat ourselves up and we forgot to look and be reminded that God created you to be this way. Can I just tell you, if you don't get nothing else from this message, and I, I've kind of, I've had my moments, um, but the one thing I want you to get, look up at me. Everybody look at me. Let's make eye contact. God loves you. He loves you no matter what you th think or what you know. He still loves you. God doesn't say it just once, not twice, not three times. He says it nine times in the, in the Bible. Jesus said that you can summarize the entire Bible in two sentences. Love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, if Jesus said it nine times, how important do you think it is? He's saying, get the message. Relationships are what life is all about. This is what matters most. He's saying love is more important than anything else because God 
is love. God is not achievement. God is love. He's the source of it all. Next thing is to be like Jesus. If I want to reboot, I need to work on being more like Jesus. Romans 8, 29 says, from the very beginning, God decided that those who came to him should become like his son. That's it. So what are you doing right now to be more like Jesus? One of the things that we have and that we're starting here at Christ Church is we have um, the, the pathway to purpose. And we want to challenge you to go, go to that and um, be a part of that so you can understand what it looks like to be more like Jesus. Max Lucado said this, God loves you just the way you are, but he refuses to leave you that way. He wants you to be like Jesus. So how are you doing? Let's, let's just... Be transparent with each other. On a scale from one to 10, where are you at? Now, if you said 10, you got to work on humility. So I'll give myself an eight and a half. <laughs> What's that half anyway? We always have to go eight and a half. Here's the deal. No matter what it is, whether it's five or seven or whatever, he wants you to do better. You know, one of the things that we don't talk about uh, enough, I think we work on it here at Christ Church, but sin is messing the mark. And when we mess the mark, we need to get on our knees and ask Jesus to forgive us and try to get better. How many of you know a sin that you need to give to Jesus today? How many of you will still sit in your chair when you should have given it to him? We are a mess. Romans 8, 29 says this. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in Christ. Everything can be summed up like this. Our life has to be shaped in the life of Christ. When we're living it, we love people like he does. We see people like he does. We put up with people like he did. We love him no matter what we're going through. You know, there's a few years ago, and I'm showing my age, so some of you may. There was a guy named Michael Jordan. Some of you may not know who that is. And um, he had a commercial, and it was like Mike, if I could be like Mike. Anybody remember that one? Yeah. I don't think that's a good thing to be like. Not, nothing against him, but he, he messed the boat a lot. Like Jesus, if I could be like Jesus. That would have been a good song. We sing it here. You know, one of my favorite parts of Christ Church is what we were doing right before I got up here. Maybe we should be doing it right now even. It's just worship. It's just saying, Jesus, I want to hold you. I, wanna, I want you to know that I love you, and I want to do the best I can with what you've given me. And the next thing is to do the best with what God's given us. We, we're going to develop the gifts God has blessed me with. I want to do better at, at, uh, at working on that. Again, pathway to purpose. Check it out. Romans 12, 6 says this. God has given us given each of us the ability to do certain things well. Here's the thing. If you want me to, uh, to hammer something, I may not be your guy. It's not my, my gift. I wish it was. I, I've, I've tried hammering things. You may see that's why my hands are all broken. Um, it's just not my gifting. But if you need me to go talk to someone who's going through something, I'm your guy. Just, it's my gifting. I think sometimes we don't stay within the gifting God's given us. and We try to do things that maybe... He hasn't called us to. William Arthur Ward said this, God gave you a gift of 86,400 seconds today. Have you used one to say thank you? 
Man, when we have these gifts, we need to start thanking God for them. How many of you thank God that you're able to do whatever you're able to do because he's given you that gift? Ephesians 2.10, God made us to do good works, which he planned in advance for us to live our lives doing. We need to start loving each other. We need to start showing each other. We need to understand what a blessing is. How many of you are blessed today? How many of you just got something scared out of you? I knew I shouldn't eat that donut. Phew. Now you're awake. I'm just starting over now. Seriously, if you guys could have seen yourself jump, it was incredible. That may be my favorite memory, and that's not good. I really think someone probably needs to leave right now. They get that panicked. I saw their face. They're like, and then I get it. Maybe I should say it again. 86,400. We won't get some of them back, trust me. Ephesians 2.10, God made us to do good works, to love each other in advance, to take care of each other. Earthly gifts, and this is such a good quote. Um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Bonhoeffer said this, earthly gifts are given to be used, not to be collected. In the wilderness, God gave Israel the manna every day, and they had... No need to worry about food or drink. Indeed, they kept any of, the, any of the manna over to the next day. It went bad. In the same way, the disciples must receive a portion from um, God every day. If he stores it up as a permanent possession, he spoils the, not, the only, not only the gift, but himself as well. For he sets his heart on accumulated wealth and makes it a barrier between him, himself and God. Where our treasure is, there is our trust, our security, our consolation, and our God. Hoarding is idolatry. So here's what I think that, that I get from this incredible um, author. What he's trying to say and remind us of is, um, at the end of the day, what do people see in your life? Do they see Jesus? Are you being a blessing? Do they see that you're doing everything you can to love them? Are they seeing someone who, who trusts him in spite of all this stuff that life does? And the final thing is to fulfill um, your life, for, to fulfill his call for my life. Try it again. To fulfill his call for my life. John 17, 18 says this. Jesus, in the same way um, that you gave me a mission in the world, I gave them a mission in the world. Blackaby says this, the reality is that the Lord never calls the qualified, he qualifies the called. So I know some of you are like, well, well, I haven't been in church long enough. Stop it. You're here now. Let's get to work. Some of you say, well, um, I've been in church too long. I'm going to let somebody else do it. Stop it. God may call you to do it, so get off your butt and do it. Some of you right now need a reality check because it's so easy to let someone else do something that God's called you to do. Acts 20, 24 says this, life is nothing unless I use it for doing, doing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. God's called us to do all kinds of different things. What are you doing with it? When I was first putting all this together, I had 18 different directions. And at times, I think I even did today. 
But the one thing that God reminded me over and over is I got to begin right now, right this second. Ephesians 5, 15 through 16. Live life with a due sense of responsibility. Not as those who do not know the meaning of life, but those who do. Make the best use your time. Make the best use of your time. Start now. Start right this second. Some of you need to get up here and give something up. Start now. Some of you say, well, I'll do it next week when Jeff's here. I'll do it next week when this happens or when that happens. But sometimes next week never comes because we're not, we're not sure what's going to happen in, in the next two seconds, much more the next 10 days. Abraham Lincoln said this, you cannot escape the responsibility of tomorrow by evading it today. Today. So if you've got something that you've just been keeping from God, he already knows it anyway, so why don't you go ahead and just start today. If you're struggling and you're tired and you're overwhelmed, why don't you get up here and, and, and pray with one of us today? Start now and watch what happens. The next thing is commit, com- commit completely. Romans 6.13 says, give yourself completely to God, every part of you to be used for his good purposes. Do you get it? When you give everything, it's a sacrifice to God. Um, Romans um, talks about um, that we should be a, a living thusia. The Greek word thusia there literally means we should be a living offering. A living offering to God. Are you doing that? Now, some churches, you guys may not know about this, but they do this thing where they pass the plate. <laughs> we don't do that here, which I'm proud of. We haven't done that. But we still have tithe. We still have gifting. If you want to know where it is, I'll show you afterwards. But that's not my point. If we actually did pass a plate, what would someone think? Say, let, let's just say so-and-so was sitting beside you, and they passed the plate to you. What would they say if you put the plate down and jumped inside of it? they think you're crazy, but that's what God wants us to do. And it's okay to be a little crazy. Maybe that's the, the visual you need today. Maybe you need to jump inside that offering box over there and say, I don't have a lot, but I got me. Here it is. Don't. You'll probably break the box and Jeff will kill me. But offer up everything you have and watch what God does. Luke 12, 21. A person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. I see this world and it breaks my heart. I see people that I love that are being, uh, they're going the wrong way. It's happening all around us. People that I love in this church that, that, that are missing the boat. They're forgetting what's important. What's important is that you're, you're a good dad. What's important is that you're a, you're a good child. What, what's important is that you're a, you're a faithful person that trusts Jesus even when you don't see his hand. Mark 10, 13 through 16 says this. The people brought children to Jesus, hoping he might touch them. The disciples shooed them off, and Jesus was irate and let them know it. Don't push these children away from me. Don't ever get, them, don't ever get between them and me. These children are at the very center of life in the kingdom. Mark this. Unless you accept God's kingdom, in simplicity of a child, you'll never get in. Then gathering the children up in his arms, he laid his hands of, the, um, he laid his hands of blessing on them. There's a 
thing that uh, was written on a prison wall during the Holocaust that said this. I believe in the sun even when it's not shining. I believe in love even when I can't feel it. I believe in God even when he is silent. Listen, I don't pretend to understand what you're going through. I don't. I wish I could, but I don't. What I do understand is Jesus does. So lay that hurt up here and be honest with him. Be real with him. Start asking God, what can I do to help in the church today? Where can I get plugged into? Where can I be most for the church and show them grace and, and help people and love people in spite of people? If you're broken today, you're at the right place. If you're hurt today, you're at the right place. I think sometimes we think that church is only for perfect people. Well, that's a mess because even in that thought, they ain't, they've missed the boat. None of us are perfect. And if someone tells you they're perfect in church, you need to pray for them. None of us are. We're all a mess. We all need Jesus. If you need someone to pray with you today, get up here. If you need to be honest with God, get up here. Might as well stand up and pray with me right now. Father, as we were uh, having worship a few minutes ago, one of the things that you reminded me is sometimes we just need to say hallelujah. So if there's someone in here that, that needs to say that, may they be able to say that. May they be able to say, Lord, uh, hallelujah. Praise your name. Help me, Jesus. Maybe there's someone in here, Lord, that's they're going through something that I don't pretend to understand, but you know it. May they give that up to you today, whether it's a hurt, whether it's a past relationship, whether it's someone that's done something to them. You know all things, God. May we give that to you. You already know them. I think the giving, Father, is for us. And you'll take them from us. May we do that, Father. May we just let you take all the stuff that's keeping us away from you. Take it, Jesus. We leave it there. It's in your name we pray and all God's people say.